are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on April 5th of 2022. Got a jam-packed episode today. Uh, got a lot of uh, youngsters that are uh, making opening day rosters. Uh, we got a new uh, sign-stealing technology that is being implemented in the game, uh, some injuries, some trades, uh, and then we're going to give you a full rundown of our awards predictions, uh, our division predictions, wild card, and our World Series, uh, all of those predictions. But before we get to all of that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, excited for opening day in a couple days, and uh, just been uh, I've actually been watching a little bit of spring training, uh, you know, last couple weeks and uh just uh ready for the baseball season to start and uh, let's uh go ahead get into it we got a lot to talk about today yeah we do so let's just go ahead and start with uh it's gonna be a little weird because we're getting a lot more of the youth movement um out of spring training into opening day you know we've seen a lot of the service time manipulation now um the past you know five to six ten years but now it seems like with uh, everything going through the CBA that, you know, teams are really willing to let those youngsters that they, you know, even though they might not be ready to compete to get up there to the roster. So just the, the big name prospects so far that have been confirmed to have made opening day rosters. We're looking at number one overall prospect um, from MLB pipeline, Bobby Witt, uh, Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Matt Brash, Hunter Green, Bryson Stott, and Joey Bart. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, you look at three of those guys, Torkelson, Rodriguez, and Witt, as guys who are really, I mean, but, but depending on the service, they're all top five prospects. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Rodriguez, Witt, and, and to go along with Adley Rutschman, who, who didn't make the big league roster, mainly because of in, an injury he has, um, you know, the three of those guys, you know, kind of some, some people call them number one, number two, number three. It's kind of a... Uh, you know, not necessarily in any order with them. So at Torkelson is probably the most sure thing prospect out there too. So it's pretty crazy that the, those three guys made it. Um, and, you know, you look at Hunter Green is a guy with a tremendous upside. Um, you know, he's a, a former, you know, superstar high school prospect, draft prospect who took a little bit of time because of injury, but he's, you know, he's ready to go now in the big leagues. And uh, I'm excited to see what these guys can do. It'll be a lot of fun. A couple of those other guys too, like, you know, Joey Bart. Uh, I remember loving him in, in college and, and in the draft process. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do at the big league level with a full workload. Although he's been there a little bit over the past couple of years. Uh, Bryson Stott will play a pretty big role for a, supposedly contending team in the Phillies. And then, um, you know, you look at, um, you know, at Brash is another guy who, uh, you know, could, could really come up and, and have a big time uh, season for a, for a team that hopes to be contending. So, um, you know, the, all, some of these guys are going to make up, make big uh, contributions for, for contending teams. Some of them are just exciting players. So uh, we'll see what happens there. It's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, and, uh, and to mention with Riley Green, it was basically announced that he was going to make the opening day roster, and then he got a foot injury, um, and I don't think he'll actually now be able to to start on opening day roster. But they had basically confirmed beforehand that him and Torkelson were both supposed to make the roster. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I really like Witt. I think he's going to probably be the rookie of the year. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, 
you know, if, if you look at Hunter Green, he's one of the guys that he has the, you know, touches 102 on his fastball. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he is with the, you know, in the Reds ballpark and with them tearing it all down. So some interesting, uh, interesting things with the, the rookie prospects. And, you know, we have guys like Adley Rutschman that will, you know, probably come up later in the year. You have George Kirby is probably another guy who will be up. Um, later on and, and some other you know higher rated prospects like O'Neill Cruz is even a guy who um, didn't make it that a lot of people thought should made it um, right out of spring training so uh, you know it, it definitely seems like we're getting that next step forward of all the the younger guys being able to, to you know become into the majors and um, you know start making their impact on the game but uh another thing that we wanted to jump to and, and it was actually announced today and they they've been using it through spring training some, but it was officially announced that MLB will allow a, a new anti-science dealing technology that they've come up with called PitchCom. So basically the catcher will use like an armband like he normally had, but instead of like looking at it, calling the pitches and put his signs down, he can now, it's basically like a keyboard. He can punch pitch, um, pitch location, uh, and all of that through a thing. And the pitchers are wearing a listening device and they get that pitch call directly to them. So there will be no more basic, uh, the catcher dropping the fingers down and having their fingers painted so catchers can see it. Uh, and then also along with the pitcher and catcher, it will be three other teammates um, that will be on the field to help with fi- uh, fielding positioning wise um, based on pitch call. Yeah, that, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to, you're going to be able to tell all that much difference watching games. Um, you know, I, I don't love it from a purity of, you know, trying to eliminate having all this technology on the field standpoint, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, you know, it's something to help, um, uh, you know, help eliminate some of the cheating type stuff, which I don't really think stealing signs is cheating. I think using outside technology to steal signs, like what the Astros did, that's cheating, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. It seems like it's something that, you know, I don't think it's really going to end up making all that big of a difference unless a team is being stupid by putting down the bad signs. So, yeah. And the thing is all teams will have access to it, but as of right now, it only looks like about half the league will actually be using it. Um, I know like the Dodgers catchers have been, had were have been wearing the band to get used to it. The pitchers have been wearing the devices, um, but they've still been using the, the old fashioned, you know, catcher using the sign. So uh, not all teams are, are going to embrace it, but it is something that probably going um, into the future, you'll see a lot more of, but yeah, for sure. uh, let's jump over to some of the injury news that we had happen this week. And the first one's a pretty big one. Uh, and that's with Jacob deGrom uh, being out until at least June 1st. Yeah. Jacob deGrom. Uh, I mean, I hate I hate seeing this, even as somebody who's you know pulling for a rival team of the Mets. It's it's really rough to watch him deal with these injuries he's dealt with. It, you know, last season and then to start this season, um, it seems like a it sounds like a shoulder, uh, some kind of stress injury in his shoulder, which I mean that doesn't sound good. Even you know they said that the earliest date he could come back is June, and they're hopeful that he'll be ready by then, but. You know, even if that's the case, like that doesn't sound good at all to have some kind of like stress injury in your sh- in your throwing shoulder as a pitcher who's you know had some injury issues the past couple of years and you know puts the amount of stress on his body as he does with his pitching. Uh, you know, with the late you know the late career um, or I wouldn't say late career, but the you know the 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 late bloomer type um, 
breakout he had where he just started throwing harder and harder and harder and getting better and better. You know, it, it feels like he's put a lot of stress on his joints that he hasn't, that he didn't put on them when he was younger. And I, you know, I hate to, I hate to say that, you know, this, this really worries me about his future. Um, you know, it's almost like an elbow injury would, but we'll see. Hopefully it's nothing that, you know, will set him back long term and, you know, hopefully he's able to come back in, you know, in June and, and be successful. Cause I don't think, I think I speak for everybody as someone who I love watching Jacob DeGrom pitch when he's healthy and it's bad for the game when he's not there. Yeah. He's the, the, you know, you, you always have those once in a generation type pitchers. Like you had Kershaw and Scherzer for a long time that were just like basically unhittable. And then we had Kluber for a couple years and then now DeGrom's basically been that guy. And, um, you know, a guy who you see consistently makes a fastball get faster. Like his velocity grows every year. Um, he's, he's throwing sliders that move like eight to 12 inches and he's throwing them at like 93 miles an hour, which is just insane. Um, you know, and, and he's an all around athlete. Like even when he used to be able to hit, like he was a damn good hitter too, um, uh, for a pitcher at least. So, you know, it really sucks seeing DeGrom go down. I hope he comes back because, like you said, he's one of the, the funnest pitchers to watch. Um, and everyone basically tunes in when you have a DeGrom game because he's virtually unhittable every single time. Uh, but a couple other new uh, pieces of news on the injury front. The White Sox lost Lance Lynn to a knee injury this week. He will be reevaluated in four weeks, and then he'll have to ramp up from there uh, potentially. And then Chris Sale uh, has a rib fracture uh, that he has also been placed on a 60-day IL and looks like he'll be out until probably June as well. Yeah, I mean, that hurts, um, you know, that hurts the White Sox, but I think they're going to be okay because as long as Lance Lynn's injury isn't something that keeps him out, you know, for more like half or more than half the season, um, you know, if he can be back, he'll, you know, that's not the end of the world. They've got pretty good rotation depth already. Uh, you know, with Giolito being out there, uh, along with uh, Dylan Cease, who I think is really good, and uh, maybe a couple of those other guys like, um, you know, like like Kopech or somebody um, could, can step into that rotation role. But, uh, you know, their offense will be able to carry them too, and, and their bullpen is amazing. So um, I, think the, I think the White Sox will be okay. Sale on the 60-day IL, it really hurts that Sale wasn't able to be healthy, but we kind of knew this was coming for a couple weeks. Um, you know, it, it sucks that he's not healthy because this, this isn't like a, the, the elbow injury he had. He's back from that. And, you know, part of the Red Sox hope was that they have, you know, kind of a similar team to what they had last year, plus they add Chris Sale at full strength back and are able to make a run. And, you know, that division's so competitive that missing Chris Sell for 60 days at least, even if Chris Sell is not the same guy as he was before the injury, before the Tommy John a couple years ago, I mean, still, you know, that's that division's so competitive, that could be the difference between being a playoff team and not. So that really hurts. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they're both able to come back healthy when they're, um, <clears throat> when they're, um, you know, when the time comes and, um, you know, these guys are so talented. You hate seeing them be, be out, especially, you know, to start the season. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned, I think the, with Lance Lynn, he should be back, um, you know, rare or relatively soon. Um, 
compared to you know the other two guys and and sale he's just been a guy who he's been so good but just battling those injuries the past couple years and it really sucks to see because people i think people forget how good chris sale can really be uh when he's at the top of his game so hopefully they all come back you know in june at the latest and that we can see all of them back on the mound but let's go ahead and jump over to the trade front uh, we'll start with our first trade that we had, which was the Los Angeles Dodgers trading AJ Pollock to the Chicago White Sox for relief pitcher Craig Kimbrell. Well, this is a very weird and interesting trade. Um, you know, f- for one thing, it's a one-to-one trade, um, so you know it's just Pollock for Kimbrell. No prospects involved. There wasn't even cash involved. They're just swapping contracts. Um, you know, you look at um, you know AJ Pollock. Very interesting. He. He's a he's been playing pretty good. Uh, last year he put up three wins above replacement, two ninety seven average, three fifty five on base, five thirty six slugging. Um, and you know the White Sox need another outfielder. Um, they could you know we weren't really sure. We know Luis Robert is going to be out there every day. You know he's one of the best in the game. Um, but you know, in the corners, we weren't really sure. You know, they had been there had been talk about like Andrew Vaughn playing a corner or Eloy Jimenez playing a corner, and those guys are more suited for like a first base DH type role. I know one of them will probably still have to play the corner, but uh, bringing in Pollock, who isn't the best defensive outfielder anymore, but he's still okay, um, is is a, a very good move in my opinion. And I mean, he's a guy that he, he would put up, he could put up a really you know a couple of good seasons for them being in a full-time role whereas in LA he only played 117 games I know he had a little bit of injury but he wasn't really a full-time like he, he had a lot of times he was a platoon split you know they'd play Bellinger or somebody against right-handed pitchers and you know have Pollock play every time against lefties but um definitely an interesting move and then Craig Kimbrell's a guy who I don't especially like this trade for the um for the um for the Dodgers because Craig Kimbrell has, and he is a free agent at the end of the year, but he, after a really good start last year, he kind of struggled down the stretch and, you know, with the White Sox. And I think he, he just seems like a guy that he had a little bit of a renaissance in the first half last year because of the change in pitch mix, but he just doesn't seem like the same guy as he used to be. And, the, the one thing that worries me about him is that his con- control still looks awful. Like, if you watch him, like, he, he throws the ball he throws the ball all over the place. And his walk rate wasn't bad last year. It was actually pretty good. But he just seems like he's not locating his pitches very well. And that, you know, kind of part of that pitch, pitch mix change really helped him. So, um, you know, he might end up being the same guy as he was. You know, the first half last year, he was untouchable. I mean, he was the best reliever in baseball probably. And then the second half he was – or after the trade to, to, to the White Sox across town, he was pretty mediocre at best. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Craig Kimbrell. I think it'll be interesting to watch and see how he fits in. I, I'm assuming he'll be the closer at the beginning of the year for, for Los Angeles. But, um, you know, 34-year-old relievers can be pretty volatile. And, you know, you're kind of trading an everyday regular, that pretty good outfielder for him. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. Yeah, so, you know, Pollock is a, is a really good player, um, especially when he's healthy. That's the, the main thing, though, is can he stay healthy? 
Um, you know, if you've looked in his career, the, the most games he's played since 2016 is 117. That was just this year. Um, under that, he had 112 and 113 in 2017, 2018. Um, and then in 2019, his first season, he played 86. So he, he played most of the season in 2020, 55 games, um, you know, with the 60 game season. But, you know, can he stay healthy? That's going to be something that you're going to have to you know keep track of with him. And I think at least from the Dodgers side, it allows basically Chris Taylor to play more of an everyday role. It allows Gavin Lux to get more at bats now that you have um, Freeman on first and basically Muncy's going to be playing second most of the time. Uh, and then you needed a closer because you lost, you know, Kenley Jansen in free agency. Um, and for Kimbrell, at least on his side, he, you know, he had said that it would, that he wasn't as comfortable in the eighth inning. He's basically, you know, comfortable in the ninth with the closer role. So we'll see if, you know, how much that really mattered uh, when he went over to the White Sox and, and all that. The pitch mix, like you said, he did change it and that allowed him a little bit of renaissance. If there's a team, though, that usually can help a bullpen arm like exceed what they've been doing, it's usually the Dodgers. Like they found a way with Brandon Morrow when he, you know, had, you know, he basically fell out as a starter. He's came back. He was one of the most dominant people in that bullpen. They brought a guy like Joe Blanton and they did it. You know, he was a really good reliever for them as well. Um, They brought Corey Knable back, who had showed flashes, but he'd been dealing with some stuff. He was really good last year. So if, if there's a team that could help a pitcher, you know, take that that step forward or, or go back to their old self, I believe it would be L.A. And allowing Kimbrell to get back in the ninth, it, it kind of makes sense. And then it's a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out and, and you're off the contract where Pollock had a player option for next year. Um, you know, that helps the White Sox have that that corner depth in the outfield uh, moving forward. Um, like you said, without the, with the unknowing of, you know, guys like Andrew Vaughn and what they can do and, and Eloy and, and the rest of their outfield situation right now. So, you know, it, it's a win-win for both sides. I think both sides get what they need outfield depth for the White Sox, a closer that you can potentially turn back to his former self at the Dodgers and, you know, go from there. So, but let's go ahead and move on to the next trade. And that was with the San Diego Padres acquiring Shamanaya and prospect Aaron Holiday from the Oakland athletics for Adrian Martinez and Aribel Angeles. Yeah, so I think um, I think this was a pretty pretty fair trade. Um, you know, you get one year of Sean Manaya, who I think people overrate him a little bit. He was good last year, but for his you know for his career, he's he's a he's a solid mid rotation arm. Like he's probably more of a number three. Um, you know, career three eighty six ERA, three ninety six FIP. Uh, last year, you know, a 391 ERA and 179 innings for Oakland, pretty pretty solid there. His strikeouts and walk numbers were really good, but um, you know, gave up a few too many home runs and um, a lot of contact. Uh, his, um, you know, he's a he's a pretty good pitcher. He's he's a good mid rotation guy. Um, he's not gonna come out just dominate. He's never thrown 180 innings or more. Uh, but he's a solid mid rotation guy. He's going to, you know, he's going to get you a, a pretty good amount of innings. He's going to throw, you know, he'll, I'm, he'll probably throw in the one, 180 range this year. Uh, so he's, he's solid. And, and of course, he's also a rental. So you, you do get a little bit of value back for that. And then, um, you know, a lot of people are a little underwhelmed about the prospect package that went back for him. And I mean, the Padres, or the, I mean, the Oakland got a, 
you know, they got a couple guys. They got the, the uh, you know, the uh, Angelus, I guess is how you say his name. Um, you know, he, he comes back as a guy who he's not the highest rated prospect right now, but he's also a, you know, a 19 year old that played an a high a last year. So, and put up good numbers. I mean, you know, you're looking at a guy who maybe has a lot more upside than his team rank, his prospect ranking. He's a high upside guy. I mean, and then you look at a pitcher who was fairly close to the big leagues. So, um, you know, I, I think it's something where you're looking at a, you're looking at a fairly even trade here. Yeah, the, the you know it helps with the Padres pitching depth. Like, you know, they were looking at guys like Mackenzie Gore, Nick Martinez. Um, you know, they've had to move to Nelson Lamette to the bullpen full time. It helps them basically stabilize that rotation. I think Clevenger is going to be out uh, from the from the jump uh, for a little while as well. So yeah. you give Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, now Manaya. Um, you know, and then you can kind of fill that fifth spot instead of having to fill, you know, four and five for a, for a while. So not a bad deal. And then if it works out, maybe you can convince Manaya to stay um, long term. You really didn't give up much prospect wise for right now. Yeah. But uh, let's jump over to the last trade that we have in this video. And that's with Austin Meadows uh, getting traded from Tampa to Detroit for Isaac Paredes and a competitive balance draft pick. Yeah, so uh, this was this one was interesting too. I, I think a lot of this has to do with what the Rays value, and Austin Meadows is a really really poor defensive player. Um, he's a corner outfield DH type guy. You know, last year in the playoffs, they had to throw him out there as a DH as a left fielder because they had Nelson Cruz to DH, and you know. I think through a lot of people, it didn't really make all that much sense. But you know, this is a guy who is has trended down the last couple of years. He's still a, he's still a decent hitter, but um, you know, a, a one thirteen WRC plus last year. That's not going to make up for the fact that you're a DH, and he he he's just not like a he had a great twenty nineteen, but he's battled some injuries in, in the past and. I just don't know how good he is. And, and Isaac Paredes is a guy who puts up really, really, really good plate discipline numbers and, and has in the minor leagues and in his short stints in the big leagues, he's put up really good plate discipline numbers. Now, um, you know, the, the results haven't quite come yet in the big leagues, but, you know, he's a guy who could really, uh, you know, I like I like what I see with him putting up sub 15% strikeout rates in the minor leagues. And then, you know, last year in the big leagues and 85 plate appearances put up a sub 13% while also walking 12% of the time. That, that's some good numbers right there. Even though his overall, you know, statistics as a, as a hitter don't, don't really reflect that quite as much, but he does have the raw power um, of, um, you know, he does, he has all the raw power that, you know, you, you would need, but uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of it's just, you know, the Rays are a stats organization. And if you look at a lot of guys who have put up good stats in the minor leagues, Isaac Paredes is a guy to look at. And, you know, they're looking more at statistic, statistical numbers than they are at, you know, the, you know, kind of the eye test type stuff. So, um, and they see Paredes as a guy who could really be everything that they were, you know, that Austin Meadows was hoping to be. Um, or that Austin Meadows has been, and, and then you know you get him for a couple more years of control, you get him a little bit cheaper, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the Rays are usually pretty good about not screwing up trades. So, 
yeah, it, it's hard to to doubt the Rays um, from what they acquire during trades. They, you know, they they prove you wrong basically every single time. Um, I I felt the Meadows trade coming. Maybe if it wasn't in this offseason, probably at the deadline. It just it was just trending that way for a long time. I, I think the only thing that I you know it makes me scratch my head, which I just said you don't do that with the Rays, but I'm doing it, um, is the fit that Isaac Paredes has with them right now. Like he has one more option year left, but you already have a ton of infielders. Like you have Taylor Walls, you have Bruhan, you have Brandon Lau, you have Wander Franco, and that's not to mention some of their other prospects that they have coming up. Um, you know, from at least from the outfield side, it clears away for Josh Lowe to come in and, and play. You know, a, a lot of the time, so that makes sense. It's just I don't know where Paredes fits with them right now, and, and you know, going forward to the future because it seems like they have a lot of their long-term guys already kind of there on the you know second short third base side um so that that yeah, would be I mean, interesting i mean maybe he can transition to first base because yeah, that's, that's what they i was are gonna... lacking but even then like I, I don't i don't know it's just something that the rays will have to do their magic and, and make me look stupid in a year and a half that's what i was gonna say you know isaac paired as more of a first base third base type guy he's not gonna play up the middle he's just not nowhere near athletic enough and that he could probably be a better platoon option with G-Man Choi than Harold Ramirez or, you know, whoever they could throw out there at third, you know, if, if Yandy Diaz is that platoon option. So, um, you know, they, 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 they could, they could definitely put, they have a lot of depth up the middle, but they definitely could put him at, in the, in the corner, on a corner, uh, and maybe even in the corner outfield. I, I don't know. I know that, you know, I think in the past he might have played some outfield in the minor leagues. So, you know, that might be another option for him is to put him in the outfield. But uh, definitely interesting, too. They signed Marco to a two-year extension today um, or yesterday, maybe. I thought that was interesting because, you know, the Meadows trade. But um, Marco is definitely a better, better outfield defensive, defensive outfielder than Meadows. So I guess that has something to do with it, but. Yeah, so basically it'd be like Meadows, Kiermaier, and, and Lowe in the outfield um, going forward for them, at least yeah. until maybe they decide to trade Kiermaier, which has been rumored for a couple years now. So we'll see going forward. Um, like I said, it, it'll be a trade that the I, I scratched my head out in the in a year. The Rays will make me look stupid. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, let's jump over to our prediction segment. Um, we'll basically – let's go through and we'll kind of go through each um, – each division, uh, run through it, and then give just a, a couple minute thoughts on that division and then what you have going forward. So we'll go ahead and start with the NL East. Yeah, so the NL East is going to be interesting this year. Uh, the top, really, the top four teams spent pretty heavily. Um, the Braves went out and, and they lose Freddie Freeman, but they went out and had a big offseason with a lot of pickups. They replaced him with Matt Olson, signed him to a big extension. They went heavy on bullpen, brought in a lot of guys. Um, you know, I think the Braves will be good. The Mets, you know, obviously they went out and got, got Scherzer, uh, which was big. They got a couple of other guys, Mark Canna, uh, Eduardo Escobar, uh, to, to help fill out their uh, their lineup, along with Starling Marte, who who the Mets haven't really had a great center fielder in a while. So that'll be a bit that'll be a couple big pickups for them. The Phillies made a couple big pickups, and they returned most of what they had last year around them. Uh, and even the Marlins went out and spent, got Jorge Soler, got a Vicial Garcia. They've done, they made some moves. So, um, you know, the Nationals, of course, are, you know, really at a talent deficit. And even though they did sign Nelson Cruz, 
I don't think they're going to really improve that much. But I, when I look at this, I think the Braves probably are the best team in this division right now. Um, it would have been a much bigger debate for me with the Braves or the Mets until the DeGrom injury. But I think that this is one of those real competitive divisions where an injury to your best player like that could change who wins the division. So, uh, you know, I like the Braves rotation, Max Fried, Charlie Morton at the top. I'm a little bit concerned about the depth in the rotation. Uh, Ian Anderson can be a little inconsistent, and I think that could go one way or another. The Braves do have a lot of depth of, you know, high minors, former prospects that are real, like, you know, and they still have a lot of potential that they could maybe pull a couple guys out of that, that do well. Uh, the, but the bullpen and lineup for the Braves is really, really good. The Mets are going to have a good lineup. Their rotation depth is really starting to look rough, though. Chris Bassett's going to be there. Scherzer's going to probably be there, you know, at the start of the year. But you know, Scherzer is also dealing with some nagging stuff already, injury-wise. And Degrom being out, you know, you're kind of looking at like Ty, Ty, I think Tyler McGill might be their opening day starter. So that's going to be tough for the Mets, um, who you know I think they're a little step behind. You know, in, in the lineup and the and the bullpen, for the Braves, the Phillies might have the most interesting roster because they've got two of the best pitchers and they've got one of the best lineups. But their defense is absolutely just abysmal. I mean, they might be one of those teams that their defense could be historically bad this year to go along with a lineup that could be really, really, really good. So that'll be interesting. I mean, watching Schwarber, Castellanos, Hoskins, Bohm. All these guys play every day is scary. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Marlins have all those pitchers. I wouldn't be shocked if the Marlins outperformed what a lot of people think they'll do this year. And then the Nationals, I mean, it's Juan Soto. And then, I mean, Nelson Cruz is still interesting to watch. But, I mean, the Nationals are bad. So, Yeah, so looking at my NLE's predictions, I have the Braves winning um, as well. They really didn't get worse in any other position. Um, you know, you, if you wanted to make the argument of they downgraded at first base barely between Olsen and Freeman, then you can have it. But I, I think those are, are two similar players um, that that would be just fine. They won the World Series last year without Acuna, and he's going to be back early on this year. Um, you're you still have, you know, your bullpen got even stronger, which was a damn good strength for you last year. And you just upgraded it this year. Uh, you know, the depth is there, like the back of that rotation sure has some question marks, but overall the team is, is better anyways. And I think that's just going to help lift it up. Like if you're struggling in your four to five spot, like you can always make a trade at the deadline. We saw they were very good at the trade deadline last year, um, to fill those spots that they needed. So I have the Braves winning. Um, like you said, the Mets, I, I it was going to be a really big debate for me. You know, it wasn't going to be the Mets or the Braves to win had the DeGrom injury and the Scherzer stuff not already been happening. Like if they came in with a fully healthy DeGrom and Scherzer, then, you know, I might've put the Mets to beat the Braves barely. But, you know, once that happened, I think they're uh, squarely a number two team um, in this division. I actually have the Marlins um, number three this year. Uh, part of that is because of how bad I think the Phillies defense is just going to be like, I, I just don't like it, but also because the Marlins, they have that pitching staff. Like, Sandy, uh, Pablo Lopez, like Trevor Rogers, you're going to have, um, you know, Eliza Hernandez is going to be there. You're probably going to get some of your other you know, younger guys to come up this year as well. Then you went and got a Jorge Soler. You went and got an Avisel Garcia. You're going to have another year of letting Jazz Chisholm take his step forward. 
you're probably going to get J.J. Bladé up sometime this year. You you upgraded defensively at catcher with Jacob Stallings. You know, that's going to help a big time as well. Like, I, overall, I like the Marlins, the way that they're made up. I could see the Phillies still being that third team just because of the offensive firepower and the top two in that rotation. Um, but I just I, I just don't trust it as much, and I really do think this Marlins team is, is sneaky good. And, and maybe this is me kind of overthinking them a little bit like I did um, with a couple teams last year, but I really like the Marlins at third. Phillies fourth. Uh, we've talked a lot about it. Their defense, I just think, is going to be so bad. Um, I, I don't know how much the offense and, and pitching is going to be able to overcome that. Um, then the Nationals in fifth, they're they're going into the rebuild, so not, you know, they're not going to be competitive at all here. But let's go ahead and jump over to the NL Central. Yeah, so uh, I have the Brewers uh, winning the NL Central again. Um, you know, I, I, the NL Central is probably probably the weakest division in baseball this year. Um, they you know, all these teams have massive flaws. I think the Brewers, though, their three-headed monster at the top of their rotation, the defending Cy Young winner and Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, all three of those guys are really, really good. They also have a couple other guys who uh, are, are are on their way up that, that could end up being solid pieces. Like like Adrian Hauser is a guy who's a former top prospect that has pitched in the big league some now. And, and the Brewers seem to be a team that could make those guys after a year or two of, you know, kind of getting their feet wet, take a big step, kind of like they did with, with Woodruff and Burns. Uh, so you never know what might happen with him or, or maybe even like an Aaron Ashby who who's you know new to the big leagues. And, and the Brewers have that two, that, that massive back into the bullpen with Hader and Devin Williams. Those two guys are really, really good. Uh, they usually are able to find a couple depth pieces to go around them, and I don't think that'll be a huge problem. Uh, you know, really where I'm concerned with the Brewers is in the lineup because I don't think Christian Yelich is going to ever be the same guy as he used to be. I don't think he's a horrible hitter or a bad player or anything, but he's just not that superstar MVP caliber player he used to be, and they really need him to be that to carry this offense because – Outside of, you know, Christian Yelich has that star power, and, and Willie Adamez had that breakout last year, which is really nice. But outside of those guys, you're, li- you're relying on some veteran players like, um, you know, like, like Lorenzo Cain to maybe have a bounce back year, a, a late career, you know, good season. You know, you've got a bunch of uh, young guys like like uh, who, who weren't super high-rated prospects like Urias or – uh, or, or veterans like like maybe Colton Wong or somebody that Hunter Renfro like I mean it's not a great situation offensively for the Brewers and I mean that's why I, but I, I think that it doesn't matter all that much what the teams are going to be facing in this division number two I've got the Cardinals I don't really like their rotation uh, I'm a little worried about the depth of their bullpen I think their lineup's going to hit pretty well and they're a great defensive team Nolan Arenado at third. Uh, you know, you're going to have uh, Bader out center so good defensively. Um, Goldschmidt's one of the better defensive first basemen. Yadier Molina's not what he used to be defensively, but, you know, he's still a, a pretty good guy back behind the plate. Um, and, and then, they're, you know, I think that they do a good job of having their pitching staff, while they're not super talented, pitch to that defense and, and, and you know, kind of match it up well. So, uh, and, and we might also see a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, de- a, a momentum, like veteran presence in this, kind of like we've seen from maybe like the Giants last year, where you've got like the the three big former Cardinal, you know, superstars during their, their, during their World Series runs, 
kind of all together for the last, their last season. Molina, Wainwright, and Albert Pujols all playing together in their, you know, probably all three of their last seasons. So it'll be interesting to see. Third place have the Reds. They really don't make a lot of sense to me. They've been trading pieces away, uh, but I still like a couple of their arms. And their lineup still got some good pieces to it. I mean, Joey Votto was so good last year. I think he'll continue to be good. They have Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson, uh, you know, the breakout rookies last year did well. Um, you know, I think that they, they're they definitely a step behind the, the top two. The Cubs, their pitching staff is just completely atrocious outside of Marcus Stroman. And their lineup is atrocious outside of like, I mean, they might hit a little bit, but I, I don't. There's a, so many question marks there. I, I really don't think the Cubs the Cubs are good at all. And then the Pirates are just the Pirates. I mean, they're going to be bad again. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens here. I, I think, But I think it's the Brewers, Cardinals, Reds, Cubs, Pirates in that order in the NL Central. Yeah, so I, I believe Milwaukee will win this division again. Um, the, you know, you mentioned the pitching staff to that bullpen. It's just it's too good. Um, you know, the offense I, I, with the Willie Adamas – um, breaking out, Yelich will probably take a step forward, just not back to the MVP Yelich type stuff. Um, you know, Luis Urias wasn't awful last year. I, I think he maybe takes a you know a little step forward. I'm gonna be in, really interesting to see what Keston Hira can do. He's been lighting it up during spring training, um, so I want I want to see what he can do in a full season that way. But uh, the the question marks about their their offense is definitely there. The Cardinals they're gonna be a good team. They always are. Um, you know, good defensively, like you mentioned, they're going to pitch to contact a lot. The rotation and, and bullpen are really big question marks, which is why I, I don't think they'll be that much of a, a competitor in the division. Um, I, I just don't trust trust that overall. But it will be, it will get away with it in the NL Central. Uh, you know, the three four spot, I have the Cubs third. Uh, I do think that they're you know a little bit better than the Reds, who are selling everyone off. And I I think a lot of this is because I could see when they get to the deadline the Reds trading more guys. Like I could see them trading a Luis Castillo at the deadline. I could see them maybe trading a Tyler Molle at the deadline, um, you know, and just getting some other pieces back. Well, the Cubs, I, I believe they do have some, some, you know, younger guys that are good. Like it's going to be interesting to see what Nick Madrigal can do. Um, I, I really believe in Seiya Suzuki to help that. Like Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom were not bad last year when given or a little bit of a run. Um, you know, it is going to be rough having, having to watch Jason Hayward all the time still, but, I do think that the offense is there enough. You'll get Wade Miley back um, at some point, who was really good last year. I believe Hendricks will probably take a step, you know, back to the direction that he was. Maybe not back to that level, but you know, I don't think he'll be, you know, a four something, four three something ERA that he had last year or whatever. Um, I mentioned the Reds. I, I just think they're going to fire sale more at the at the uh, the deadline. That's you know going to help push them back even more. Um, and then you mentioned the Pirates of the Pirates, like. They need to. They're taking those little steps forward. If you get O'Neill Cruz up there, you have Brian Hayes. If you sign Brian Reynolds long term, like you have some some pieces there that you need to to keep you know building with. Um, and you have, you have a couple interesting younger starters, but you just got to keep building that way. And they're just not there yet. Yeah, I will say I don't think the Pirates will have the worst record in the in the National League. No, I don't, I don't think so either. No. But we'll jump over to our NL West real quick. Um, and I'll just run through mine real quick because uh, it's pretty damn similar to yours. Uh, I got the Dodgers winning, the Giants second, the Padres third, uh, Rockies fourth, Diamondbacks fifth. 
I uh, just think Dodgers are too talented to, to lose again. The Giants, they've lost Buster Posey last year. Um, they, you know, they signed Rodon and lost Gossman. Can Rodon stay healthy? There's the question marks there. I would have the Padres second if I knew exactly when Tatis was going to come back. Um, but the fear of him being out until June, maybe July, I just think it's a little bit too much for them to overcome at that moment. Um, and then the Rockies will be over the Diamondbacks. They've, they've made... You know, they signed Bryant. They still have Herman Marquez, Sensatella, Freeland. And I, I just don't see the talent the Diamondbacks have there. Uh, so Diamondbacks fifth in, in mine. Yeah, I, I actually have the same the same uh, order here. The Dodgers, they just got probably got better. I don't know. I mean, they're probably about the same because they did lose Seager. But, you know, they brought in Freddie Freeman. So they're, they're real similar to last year. I am a tiny bit worried about their rotation depth because they lost Scherzer. And they're going to have some injuries at the start of the year, like Dustin May being out. And, you know, some of their guys haven't been the most reliable recently, like like Kershaw's dealt with some injury type stuff. But, I mean, they're still they're still really good in the rotation. Um, Giants, number two. I really like the Giants starting pitching. Uh, I think that Logan Webb is a legitimate, you know, guy that, that wasn't just a fluke season last year. I like Rodon, if he can stay healthy, to be – a, I, I think Rodon, if he stayed healthy, I would have picked him for Cy Young if he stayed, if I thought he was going to stay healthy. But I think he might end up being a guy that just doesn't get you that many innings. But the Giants do a good job managing their pitchers. Uh, you know, they brought in a couple other guys. I actually think watch out for Alex Cobb too. He was throwing 97 in the spring, and he's never thrown higher than like 92. So that might be an interesting guy to look at for the Giants as well. Uh, but their lineup, I mean. You know, I don't think you're going to get the same contribution from Brandon Crawford that you did last year. Obviously, the catcher situation is not going to be as good as it was last year with Posey having his renaissance. But, you know, you still got some really good pieces. Yes, Stremski will probably be better than he was last year. He had a down year. Um, you know, and, and they got some upside pieces too, like like Joey Bart maybe has a, has a big year or something. So they'll figure it out. They signed Jock Peterson. He'll be a nice platoon piece in the outfield. It's probably an upgrade. Uh, and, and they do such a good job mixing and matching that they'll they'll do they'll do pretty well. Uh, Padres number three. I don't love the Padres rotation or bullpen. I know their rotation's got some big names in it, but I'm a little bit nervous on Chris on a uh, Blake Snell as he walked a lot of guys last year, and, and his command's always been a little bit spotty. Uh, Darvish is, is aging. He really struggled after the sticky stuff ban. I do like Musgrove a lot. I think he'll do well, but. Uh, Manaya, like I said earlier, I don't really believe in him as like a top of the rotation. I just think they're more, you know, middling in the rotation than people expect. I do like their lineup even without Tatis, but but obviously Tatis missing is is a huge deal, and, and their bullpen really didn't have a lot of big names in it. So I, I do worry a little bit about the Padres. So I have them third. Rockies fourth. They're better than you think, but they're still not good. Um, you know, I think they've got some pieces, but they might actually rival the the Phillies for defense being awful (laughs) and uh, their starting pitching is better than it usually is, but they're not great and their bullpen is terrible. So uh, Rockies worry me a little bit on that. I think they're fourth fifth. I think is a distant fifth is the D backs. Their pitching rotations bad. Their bullpen is really bad and their lineups got some pretty good young guys in it. But outside of like tell Marte who we don't know if he stays healthy, um, there's just not a lot there, so it'll be interesting to see what maybe some of their some of their guys do. Uh, I like some of their young guys. Dalton Varsho is a guy that I, I like. Uh, um, you know, he got Rojas. I like him. 
Uh, Carson Kelly is somebody that's interesting to, to see what he does this year. So the D-backs have some interesting pieces to watch. They're just not going to be good. But, uh, but yeah, Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Rockies, D-backs. Yeah, and then we had the same three exact wildcard teams uh, with the Mets, the Giants, and the Padres um, being our wildcard teams. But let's jump over to the AL, and we'll start with the AL East. Yeah, so uh, starting in the AL East, uh, my pick in the AL East is the Blue Jays. Uh, they lost Marcus Simeon, but I think they got better in a lot of other facets, especially starting pitching. Um, I wasn't a huge believer in Robbie Ray repeating what he did last year. But uh, they brought in Kevin Gossman, which was nice. They're going to have a full season of Jose Barrios. They got Hinjin Ryu. Alec Vanoa showed some promise last year. Um, and, and then, you know, you got some other pieces too, like like maybe like a Kikuchi does well there. You know, I, I don't know. But they've got, you know, Ross Stripling. They've got some depth pieces that, that are, you know, one of them will probably have a decent season at, at number five. Or maybe even a prospect. Maybe Nate Pearson, you know, when he, when he gets healthy, figures it out this year. So, um they, they, they're, they're in a good situation pitching-wise. Their bullpen's a little bit shaky, but, man, that offense. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I, he's so good. And uh, George Springer, hopefully they get him healthy for the full season. They were missing him a lot of last year. Um, you know, this is a team that has a lot of really talented offensive pieces and a talented rotation. And I think those are two things that will really propel a team to, to be a at the top and, and I do think it's close in this division, but I like the blue Jays being, being the winner of the AL East number two. I've got the Yankees. People have been hating on the Yankees cause they didn't have a, you know, stun, stunningly amazing off season, but you know, they, they did some good things. I think uh, if Josh Donaldson can be healthy, he'll be pretty good at third base, probably an upgrade over Urshela. Um, you know, Kiner Falefa is an upgrade over uh, Andrew Velasquez who was playing there last year. They can move Glaber Torres to second. And, you know, you've got Rizzo coming back. That's nice. Jared Judge, you know, if he's able to continue what he did last year, was fantastic. Giancarlo Stanton's really good. They've got some good pieces. Their rotation's good. They get Severino back. We'll see what he is. But, you know, you could see a, a, a scenario where you have Cole being the ace. Severino, if he can kind of regain his form pre-Tommy John, being a really good number two and then Jordan Montgomery being a really good number three. Plus you, you know, you still might get something pretty good out of Jamison Tayon or, or some of the, uh, the prospect type guys and their bullpen is great. So I think the Yankees will be number two, number three, I've got the Red Sox. Um, I really like the Trevor story signing. I'm a little worried about their starting pitching, especially without sell for a while. The bullpen should be kind of like it was last year. Uh, but I love their lineup. I mean, Bogarts is, is one of the most underrated players in, in baseball. I don't think he gets talked about enough for how good he is. I mean, and, and then you got like superstars like Rafael Devers is, is incredible. So uh, I really like the Red Sox. They could be number two for me. They could even be number one, but I think I'll keep them at number three for now. The Rays, I think, take a little bit of a step back. You know, maybe missing Tyler Glass now for the full season is going to hurt them. They really don't have the same – pitching as they have the last few years in that rotation i know that they're famous for mixing and matching pitching really well but um you know they've had a couple guys the last few years they had glass now last year year before last they had uh snell and charlie morton to go along with glass now so like they had a couple of those big time arms and and i really like shane mcclanahan but i don't know there's a lot of variation there and i don't know if they will be able to rely on him as being that guy that chart you know they're charlie morton or their Blake Snell that they've had. I think McClanahan could be good, but then they have a lot of prospect depth too. But um, 
I love Wander Franco, and, and the Rays, I think, are very, very, very close to the other three. Love Wander Franco. I think they're going to hit pretty well. Their bullpen's going to be really good again. And then fifth, I mean, how could you put anybody with the Orioles last? <laughs> but, I mean, their pitching is just out of this world atrocious. Maybe we see Grayson Rodriguez this year and to help that pitching a little bit. Their bullpen is awful. Uh, I am excited to see some of their offensive pieces. Uh, Adley Rutschman will be really cool to see him finally get the call. Um, it seems like it, it's only been like a couple of years that he's been, in, you know, since he was drafted first overall. But it feels like he's been in the minor leagues forever because he's just so such a hyped prospect as a as a catcher. But uh, you also look at maybe, um, you know, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to watch Cedric Mullins, Trey Mancini. They got some pretty interesting offensive pieces, but. Um, we'll see what happens there, but but the AL East right now, I've got the Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and Orioles. Yeah, so I also have the Blue Jays winning this division. Um, you know, like you said, you could basically put any of the top four um, in any position, and you could be right. Like, I, I just believe the Blue Jays are, you know, like you did, you mentioned they lost Marcus Simeon, but, you know, I believe in Kevin Biggio. Like, I'm a big Kevin Biggio fan. Like, I believe he'll take a step forward. I really like the Matt Chapman move, getting him out of Oakland and into the AL East. I think he's going to improve a lot. Um, you know, you got that outfield. You have Teoscar. You traded Randall Gritchick um, for Tapia. So we'll see what that does. But, you know, overall, I, I really like it. The, the pitching rotation is so good, too. You have Ryu. You have Barrios. You have... Um, Gossman now you're going to have Kikuchi you have Stripling like you have Pearson you mentioned you have Manoa uh the the pitching just there it's so good along with that offense um and their bullpen is is pretty underrated as well like Julia Merriweather Jordan Romano like they have guys who are really good that people just don't know the names of um so I, I really think the Blue Jays are going to be that top team this year um the Yankees I do have them at second as well I, I believe they did improve like getting uh, Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez out, adding Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner Falefa in. Like, that's going to help a lot. You're getting a full year of Joey Gallo. You're getting a full year of Anthony Rizzo. Like, that team is going to be really good offensively. You have Garrett Cole, who, you know, is a Cy Young contender every single year. Uh, Luis Severino coming back, who was, you know, one of the top pitchers when he got winning, went down. He's going to come back. Hopefully, you, you know, you get a lot out of him. Um, Nestor Cortez is a guy who I think is going to really thrive as well. Probably be their number four this year. So I, I really like the Yankees. The bullpen's really good. Um, in the third spot, I got the Rays. Actually, you know, you mentioned that they don't have it, the you know Glass now. They don't have the Snell. They don't have the Morton, but they just find a way. Like I think I made the mistake last year and I put them fourth, and they won the most games in the you know in, in the majors last year. Like they just find a way to do it. Um, I'm not doubting them this year as much. I just think the other two have a lot more talent, and I think they're going to live up to that hype. Um, the Red Sox, I have them at fourth, and that is literally just because I don't trust their pitching staff. Like I, I don't. You're looking at right now the aces as Nate Eovaldi, which is that you know that's not terrible for an ace. It's not great, but it's not terrible. But then your number two starter right now is Nick Pavetta, and then you're going to throw Tanner Houck in there, who was in your bullpen last year. Um, and then you have Michael Waka and Rich Hill to round it out. And you don't even have much behind them even. Like, you might get sale back in June, but you signed Paxton, he's out. Like, you were talking about Garrett Whitlock, who was one of your better bullpen arms last year, was in the fight for a number five rotation spot. Like, I just don't trust 
their rotation or their bullpen at all, like outside of Whitlock, you know, and Barnes maybe. Like I don't trust the rest of the other guys to to put up good seasons that will make them be competitive. And I think that's just going to be the downfall in this division where the Blue Jays and Yankees have so good offense that it's going to eat that Red Sox pitching alive. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to score enough runs to keep up with it. Um, and the Rays just do everything so well. You mentioned the Orioles in fourth. They're just, you know, you're, you're, you're starting on that thing up. We're going to see Adley, probably going to see Grayson Rodriguez. You're probably going to see DL Hall this year. Um, maybe probably out of the bullpen for him. Um, you might even see Gunnar Henderson, maybe. Um, but, you know, they're just in the building phase there. You're going to have Mullins. You're going to have uh, Mancini. You're going to have Mountcastle. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do end up, you know, entertaining trading Mancini, Mullins, or Means. It's been constant rumors about that. Um, so it's going to be something you're going to have to face moving forward. But they're fifth in this division for me. But moving over to the AL Central, um, I got the White Sox winning this division. I think it's it's pretty easy that they're going to be the, the division winners here. Uh, the Twins in that second spot, even though I don't trust their pitching enough, um, you know, signing Carlos Correa is huge. Um, having Byron Buxton, if you can have him for a full season, that's huge. Um, I just think that they have the talent there offensively to help make up for it, uh, at least from the, the starting pitching-wise. They have a good bullpen. Um, that I think will help make up for it. I have the Tigers in third. Uh, I think with the Javi Baez trading for Austin Meadows, um, you know, and some of the other moves signing Eduardo Rodriguez, I think that's really underrated signing. They're going to be really good this year. Um, the Guardians, I have them in fourth. Uh, their pitching is going to be good, but I don't see much else around. And I think they're going to trade Jose Ramirez maybe even before opening day because they're not working on an extension really. Um, and he basically had wanted one. So it's gonna, there's been a lot of rumors that they might trade him before opening day even. Uh, and then the Royals in fifth. Um, and I could even see the Royals maybe jumping up into that fourth spot. Like that's how much I believe in what Bobby Witt is going to do this year. But I just don't trust their pitching staff as it's currently constructed to be anything more than you know one of the bottom five in the league. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with the order here. But I think it's, I think it's actually a lot closer – you know, the White Sox, I, I definitely think, are the number one team here, especially the addition of A.J. Pollock. You know, losing Kimbrell does hurt because Kimbrell's a good pitcher, but their bullpen has so much depth. But they did um, lose Crochet as well. I was going to say, Jones. I was going to say that, you know, they, 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 they are starting to rack up the injuries a little bit because Crochet's out. And uh, obviously, we talked about Lance Lynn. But, um, you know, the one guy that I think the, for the White Sox, I think Dylan Cease is going to have a huge year for them. Yes. And I, I honestly considered putting him in my Cy Young prediction, but I decided not to just because I'm I, still a little bit worried about him being walking too many guys. But he, he looked really good last year. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League, and nobody really talked about him. But um, I definitely like Dwight. Him, so, I had him as one of the handful of guys that yeah. I thought about for Cy Young as well. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's going to do well, but um, you know, but the White Sox. I mean, their lineup's good. They've got you know everyone knows the pieces they have. Um, and, you know, number two, the the Twins. Um, like you said, Buxton. Uh, you know, if he's healthy, he's looked great this spring. I do worry a little bit about his approach at the plate still, but as as long as it's if it's as improved as it was last year and he's able to continue that, he's going to be you know unstoppable and, and this team will go along with it because Carlos Correa has looked great this spring. He had that, you know, really that career year last year. Um, 
And they've got other pieces too. Polanco's good. And I honestly like the, them getting Gary Sanchez behind the plate because don't know if Gary Sanchez is ever going to be a good defensive catcher, but Gary Sanchez getting out of New York is going to help him. I think a lot of his game, his issues were mental, and I think I don't think New York helped with that. Um, so, and, and they've got other pieces too that, that maybe like like Max Kepler, but but I think Alex Kirilov's another guy that could maybe st- take a step forward. He was a top prospect a couple of years ago. Um, and you know, he's been starting to get a little seasoning and we'll see what happens there. I don't trust their pitching. I agree with that, but you never know. They might be able to pick up somebody at the deadline. Maybe one of their, they have several guys who have some experience that maybe will, one of them will, will step into that number two role and they can manage until, you know, until they can find a, somebody to trade with. But, uh, number three, I have the Tigers. I did like Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't especially like the Javi Baez signing because I don't, I think he's a little bit overrated, but he's still a good player. What I do really like about the Tigers is the young guys they have coming up. I think that Torkelson's about as sure thing of a prospect as you can find. Uh, I'm kind of hated to see that Riley Green's not going to be starting the season there with that injury, but um, they're, they also have a lot of young pitching, Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, uh, who all have a lot of high upside. Uh, and I think one of them, at least one of them, will figure it out this year and turn into a really, really, really good guy to go along with uh, to go along with uh, Rodriguez. And this team was not as bad as you think they were last year, too. But uh, number four, I have the Guardians. I thought about putting them third, but that offense is really bad, especially in the outfield. Um, and we don't know the Jose Ramirez situation. But assuming they keep Jose Ramirez, their pitching staff is not as good as it has been. Bieber, I don't think is as good as the guy we saw last year before the injury and in 2020. I think the sticky stuff band is going to have an effect on him. And uh, there are other guys that they're they're decent, but but I don't think they're great. And we'll see what happens uh, with the Guardians. And then the Royals, I mean, I, they could make an argument to be third through fifth. Uh, but, you know, their pitching staff, I think, doesn't have quite as much upside as the Tigers or, or Guardians does. Um, even though I think that their lineup is kind of similar and, um, I do think they have some upside. I just don't know if they have enough to, to surpass number three, but I mean, the Royals, you can see a situation where the Royals have, you know, a really, really good offense this year. Bobby Witt could come in and, and take the league by storm, you know, Whit Merrifield's still there. He could have a little bit of a bounce back. Carlos Santana could have a little bit of a bounce back. You could have Salvador Perez hit like he did last year again. Uh, you know, they've got some talented players there in the lineup. They just, I, I do worry about their pitching being able to hold up. And, and I don't think it's got as high an upside as, as these others do. But yeah, I'm at AL Central, White Sox, Twins, Tigers, Guardians, Royals. Yeah, so let's jump over to the American League West and go ahead and start with your American League West predictions. Yeah, so in the West, I, had a, I, I honestly had a debated with myself because i think i do i do this every year too but i am going to go with the astros i doubted them last year i picked the angels last year picking the astros um i actually like their pitching um a lot more than a lot of people do i think framber valdez is, is very underrated um and you know i think that they've got some young guys Urquidy and garcia are, are good um and I think their lineup is just incredible. I mean, Altuve had the bounce back last year, showed that he wasn't a fluke. Um, I think Alex Bregman's still a pretty good player. He dealt with some injury last year, but he um, he's still a good player. 
But the biggest thing to me was the breakout, the true breakout of Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. Those guys are both extremely good. You get Michael Brantley's a really good calming force in that lineup. Yuli Gurriel was really good last year. Uh, but the one thing that concerns me with the, with the with the Astros, oh, and Verlander coming back is huge. One thing that does concern me with the Astros is that some of their guys are aging, and they had some pretty good seasons from those guys last year. And also, you know, they lost their best player from last year in Carlos Correa. So the Astros are not as good as they were last year. I think they're still probably number one in this division, but I think it's going to be really close. I think this is going to be a battle down to the end with the second-place team, the Angels, who I truly think that last year could have been a playoff team if it wasn't for injuries. Rendon being hurt, Trout being hurt, you know, that, that killed them last year. Both of those guys, I mean, that's two, like, MVP caliber players being out for the year, basically. And, you know, they Shohei Otani breaking out the way he did, Jer- uh, Walsh breaking out the way he did. I really, really, really like that lineup right now. Um, and then you never know, Joe Adele's looked pretty good this spring. You know, you got Joe Adele and Brendan Marsh, but are both high upside guys. You can maybe even add another good guy. The biggest thing for me with the Angels is they did improve their pitching. They went out and got Cindergaard. I think that uh, Reed Detmers is going to be really good at the big league level. I like, um, you know, I, I, I like what they did in the bullpen. Adding Aaron Loop, uh, I think, was big. Adding, uh, you know, bringing back Rizal Iglesias was big. Ryan Tapera is big. Like, I really like what they did in their offseason. I think it's an underrated offseason. They're going to be good. The Mariners, I like what they did in the offseason as well. But I really think they overperformed big time last year. Um, I think that they were not as good as their record uh, and that they took enough steps to where they're going to be better than they were last year. But I also think their record's going to be worse. I think the team's going to be better, but the record worse. So, uh, but I do think they break 500 again. They'll be right around that 500 level mark. I think the Rangers at number four, they got way better. They're a lot closer than they were, but there's just still too many holes that I don't trust their pitching. They have a non-existent bullpen right now. And, their lineup is very top-heavy with Simeon Seeger. Uh, behind those two guys, there really um, isn't all that much there. Um, but in the fifth, the A's are going to be, I think, the worst team in baseball. Um, I don't really think that they have many pieces that I would even – I don't think – I think that they maybe have two pieces that would be, uh, you know, right now that would be attractive to start for another team. I mean, I think it's that bad for the A's. They're just, I mean, they do have Frankie Montas still, which probably won't last that much longer. And um, we'll see what happens with um, Sean Murphy if they even, and Ramon Laureano as well if he if he comes back off the suspension. But um, we'll see what happens there. But that that's that's a bad situation. That's this gonna be a while before we see the A's back up in the in the running again. Yeah. So this is probably gonna be the division that I get the most crap for and that will look the worst at the end of the year um and that's because i'm doing it again i drank the juice last year uh, i thought the angels were going to win the division uh and i think they're going to do it again um i just you know getting a healthy trout a healthy rendon along with otani you mentioned the breakout of Jarrett walsh like allowing Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh to play full time, getting rid of Justin Upton, so you're not forcing him into the lineup anymore. Um, you know, Taylor Ward has been really good for them uh, the past couple years. 
Jose Rojas is a guy who kind of, you know, he wasn't good last year, but he's really been really good during spring training. I, I, I like what he's done improvement wise. So I could see him taking a little step forward. I, I just, I just think this team is too good offensively. And then like you mentioned, like they got Noah Syndergaard, you got Otani back for another year. Like he's probably going to get improve on the pitching side now that he's done it for a full year. Um, Patrick Sandoval is another guy who I think can take a, a step forward. Like if you look at some of his underlying numbers and then some of his other peripherals, like he's a guy who is due for a, a pretty good step forward. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. If Michael Lorenzen sticks in that rotation, it, cause it kind of seems like that's, what's going to happen, what he can do. But Reed Detmers is a guy who could be really good. They're going to get Griffin canning back. Maybe he could take a step forward. Um, and that bullpen has dramatically improved, bringing Iglesias back, getting um, Loop, getting Tapera, getting Archie Bradley, having a guy like Mike Mayers already down there, and you know being able to push some of these other guys. Like if Lorenzo doesn't work out in the rotation, he could be a really solid reliever. We've seen it before. Jose uh, Suarez, if he doesn't work out in the rotation, he can get pushed to the bullpen and be really good. I just think this team is so good, especially with what they have offensively. Like, if you're pushing out an offense that has Otani, Trout, Walsh, Rendon, and then you have one of those guys, you know, take a step forward, one of the younger kids, and then have David Fletcher on the back end to help kind of reset the lineup, like that's really good. Um, looking at second in this division, I have the Mariners. Uh, I I really like the Mariners team. I liked them last year. Um, I was higher on them than most people were. They did overperform what they should have, but I think they've taken the steps forward this year to help improve that. Like you're going to have Julio Rodriguez all year. Kellenic is going to be up soon. You're going to get Kyle Lewis back. You have, you, you traded for a guy like Jesse Winker, who's big time offensive, um, you know, especially against righties for you. You're, you have Ty France who was really good last year. You brought in Adam Frazier, who's going to be a solid everyday guy for you. You have Abraham Toro, who you're really high on. I mean, you have a ton of pieces that maybe people don't like the name value of it, but I think they fit together really well. Um, even Eugenio Suarez is going to bring some of that power that you lost with Kyle Seeger. They have a really good rotation. Signing Robbie Ray was huge. You're going to have Logan Gilbert, who he got his first taste of the, of the majors last year. Wasn't awful. He was a you know a four or five, but I think he can he can take it a little step forward. Um, Marco Gonzalez, he'll be solid. Chris Flexen will be your five guy. Matt Brash made the rotation as a number five starter. I really like what he can do. I think he's going to have a big year as a rookie this year, be even in contention for rookie of the year, even with guys like Bobby Witt, Spencer Torkelson, like Julio Rodriguez. Like I, I really do like that. You're going to get George Kirby up. Who's another guy I'm really high on. I just, I just like the Mariners team overall. I, I feel like they're going to fit together really well and they're going to make a push um, in this division. I, it is really close with the Astros, though. I have the Astros third. I just don't know if I trust them enough. Like, with their rotation right now, like, sure, getting Verlander's, you know, back is going to be nice, but he's going to be a 39-year-old coming off of Tommy John. What are you really going to get from him? Losing Carlos Correa and not really replacing that is going to be big. Um, you know, Yuli Gurriel's getting up there. Is he going to be able to keep this up or is he going to go to what he was the first couple years? Michael Brantley, he's been a guy who's notoriously not been able to stay healthy and he's starting to age a little bit more. 
Like he's getting out. I think he's 34, 35 now. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Um, and that bullpen, that bullpen isn't really that great. Like they, you know, you traded for Kendall Graveman last year. Um, and now he's gone. Like I, you had Yimi Garcia. He's gone. I, I just don't trust their pitching staff enough. Like Urquidy and Framber Valdez, I really like them. But everyone else, like you don't even have Lance McCullers right now. Like he's out um, and you don't even know when he's going to come back. So I, I just don't know if I trust them enough. They, they have a great top of the, the offensive, you know, top of the lineup bats, but it's kind of the depth version. And then that pitching that kind of scares me from the Astros side. And I think that the Angels and Mariners are just going to be slightly better than them. Uh, the Rangers, like you said, they they improved a lot. You have Simeon, you have Seager, you got John Gray, you got Cole Calhoun. Like you, you've started your rebuild, but you're not quite there to the other three levels yet. Um, and then you mentioned the A's. They started the fire sale. We've talked a lot about it. There's probably more of that coming, if not before the season, but at the deadline. Um, and they're, they're just going to be down there forever. So I have the Angels winning the Mariners second, Astros third, Rangers fourth, A's fifth. Um, and then if we're looking at my wild card teams, I have the Yankees, I have Seattle, and then I have Houston. Um, I know we talked about the AL East being so strong, but I think they're going to beat up on each other um, a lot. And I think that the Mariners and Astros will be able to win a lot of those games against the Rangers, the A's. They're going to win, you know, be able to compete and win most of the games against the AL Central there. And I just think that the, the minimal games that they're going to have to play against the AL East, um, you know, if they're able to split that basically – they're going to be a lot better off where the AL East is going to have four teams where they're really fighting each other day in and day out um, every time. So my three wildcard teams, the Yankees, Houston, and Seattle. Yeah, my, my three wildcard teams were the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Angels. I think it's going to look really similar to last year where you have the AL East teams and the and one AL West team involved. And I think that, uh, you know, with the extra team, I gave it to the Angels. So... Uh, but uh, my World Series prediction um, overall, I think uh, the Dodgers over the Blue Jays, you know, I think the Dodgers are the best team overall and the Blue Jays, uh, you know, I think that they're going to have the pieces it takes and I think they'll do some good stuff at the deadline to bring in bullpen help that'll get them to the World Series. But, you know, I think it's going to be really tough to beat the Dodgers. So I think that I, I got the Dodgers beating the Blue Jays in six games in the World Series. And I also have the same matchup, but I have Toronto beating the Dodgers in six games. Um, I just think that the the uncertainty of what you're going to get from the back end of the rotation and with Kershaw potentially, um, I just think Toronto's too good there in that matchup and that they're not going to be able to really overcome that with the, with the top of the pitching staff that Toronto um, you know, is able to bring with the offensive firepower like the Dodgers probably have the best lineup in baseball. They have, you know, arguably a top, you know, five, one, two, one, two, three punch in baseball. But I just think that the back half of that, you know, it, depending on which Kershaw shows up, like if you get the Kershaw that, you know, he was the last couple years, then, you know, you, you can make that argument. But if you get the Kershaw who's consistently dealing with elbow injuries and if the fastball velocity is not there and the slider's not biting, then you know that's going to be a big thing going forward. So, I have the Blue Jays over the Dodgers in six. But uh, going over to our awards predictions, and we'll kind of fly through these a little bit because we've went a little long already. Um, on the NL side, I have Rookie of the Year as Seiya Suzuki. I really like what he's going to bring. I've mentioned it a couple times on it through episodes that 
I really like his potential. I really like what he can be um, moving forward. I think he can be a five-tool impact player. Um, Cy Young, I'm going Sandy Alcantara. Uh, I really like what he did the second half of last year. And going forward, I think he's going to keep dominating. I think the, Mar uh, the Marlins have got better to so where he can be more in contention now. Um, I just really like that. And then from MVP, I think it's Juan Soto's kind of clear away at the moment. You can make the argument for Bryce Harper, but the other guys like Acuna not being able to play the field all the time from day one might hurt him. Um, he could still be in, con in consideration. I just don't know. Until we see it, I don't trust it. Um, and then with Tatis being out for so long, I just think Juan Soto's the best hitter and that he will, you know, they, they don't really care much about the defensive impact nowadays. Um, I think he'll win the NL MVP. Yeah, my uh, mine is uh, I think O'Neill Cruz comes up pretty early and wins rookie of the year. I'm not very high on Sei Suzuki. Um, I think that he's going to really struggle coming over from from Japan, and you know, at first at least, uh, he's looked really, really, really overmatched in the spring so far, outside of just a couple of little moments. Um, I think that uh, my NL Cy Young, I went with Corbin Burns. I know it's boring, but on a rate basis, he was far and beyond better than everyone else last year, except Degrom. And Degrom, you know, is obviously going to be out for a couple months at least. So, uh, you know, maybe Birds can work on his innings total a little bit, get get a little bit better there at, at pitching deeper. Uh, I know he also missed a couple starts last year to COVID. Hopefully that doesn't happen this year. That's not really a durability issue as much as a, we're in a global pandemic last year issue. Uh, and then um, my MVP, I went with Soto. I think you hit the nail on the head. It would have been easy to pick Acuna if he was going to be there the whole year. It would have been easy to pick Tatis if he was going to be there the whole year. Both of those guys would have run away with it last year if they were healthy all year. Harper, I know, won, won it last year, but uh, I think Soto is just a better version of Harper on a worse team, but not that much worse of a team. So I think um, I think Soto is probably going to win the, the NL MVP. And I'll go ahead with the, with the AL. Um, I picked uh, my AL Rookie of the Year. I actually went with Torkelson. The main reason is because I think he's the safest of the three big name AL players, the the Bobby Witt and the Julio Rodriguez and the Spencer Torkelson tier. I think Torkelson was the safest of them. I feel pretty sure he's going to hit and at the at the very beginning, whereas the other guys have a little bit more range in how they start off in the big leagues. Um, my AL Cy Young, I went ahead and just went with Garrett Cole. Um, I did, as I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody like Dylan Cease had a huge year in one. Uh, my other guys, I was thinking maybe like a lot of people are going to pick Shane Bieber. I didn't love him after the Sticky Stuff ban. Uh, I know he got hurt really quickly after that, but in the couple starts he had after that, his spin rates were way down. Um, and I think that, um, I don't know. I mean, Garrett Cole's a great pitcher on a great team. So, um, I would, it's going to be hard to pick against him. And then the AL MVP, I went with Guerrero Jr. I probably should have gone with Trout because, but I'm going to hold off on that until Trout plays another healthy season. Um, I thought, I honestly thought about going with the guy that you're going to go with. I won't spoil it, but, um, you know, I think, uh, he's kind of a similar situation to Trout. And, you know, I probably could have picked Otani too, but I just – I feel like Otani is going to be really, really good, but I don't think he's going to have quite the same offensive season as he did last year. I think he just had a monster offensive season last year. I think Guerrero Jr. is just going to keep getting better offensively, which is kind of hard to do as good as he was. But um, the only thing I worry about there is that he's a first base only and maybe even a DH part of the time. So uh, – but th th those are my picks for the awards. 
Yeah, so my AL Rookie of the Year, I went with Bobby Witt Jr. Um, the way he's been hitting the cover off the ball this year, um, especially in spring training, was it's been phenomenal. I really like him as a prospect overall. Um, you know, I guess a lot of people do since he's number one on baseball MLB pipeline. But I just think that, you know, he's a guy who we've heard about for a long time. I, I think he's going to have the breakout year like he in if you look in the minors last year he you know if he can cut down on the strikeouts a little bit more and keep those same walk percentage like he hit 285 352 um you know 581 in AAA last year in 62 games 285 plate appearances like that's a really good pace and if he's able to bring that you know over to the majors like i think he'll run away with it um my MVP, or sorry, my Cy Young, I actually went with Jose Barrios. Um, I really believe in what the Blue Jays are able to do with pitching. And if you look at him uh, from when he went over there last year, his his FIP was a 328. It was really, the ERA didn't back it up with a 358, but you know I think he's really good. And that there's always been the talk that Barrios could be a Cy Young if he can get to that next gear, if he's able to unlock that other little potential that he has. And we've saw Toronto be able to do that. They did it last year with Robbie Ray. And I think the half season, he showed improvement there, a full off season, even though we had the lockout and then going through this full season with him. Like, I think Barrios is just going to take a step forward. Um, that He's part of the reason why I picked them to win the division. Like, I really think Barrios is going to elevate himself to an ace this year. Um, so I have him as a Cy Young. And then MVP, I went with Byron Buxton. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, you know, he probably is one of the most talented players in all of baseball, if not the most talented player in baseball. Like you could make the argument when healthy, he could be maybe more talented overall with raw talent over Mike Trout. Mike Trout is more polished and he is great everywhere. I'm not saying that Buxton is a better player by any means, but I just think that he has more raw like talent overall in, than anyone in baseball. And if he can stay healthy, you're looking at a guy who could potentially be a 40-40 guy. Like he could hit 40 home runs, steal 40 bases, um, you know, and hit upwards of, you know, 30, 40 doubles even. Like that's how good Byron Buxton can be. Now the, the approach is – the questions are there. Like he still strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk that much. But when you're doing the type of damage that he he does, you don't really need him to. Like last year, he only walked five percent of the time, twenty five percent or twenty four percent strikeout rate. But he hit three oh six with three fifty eight, six forty seven slugging. He had nineteen homers in or nineteen homers and nine stolen bases in two hundred and fifty four at bats for a four point two WAR. Now that is helped a little bit by his defensive numbers, but a one sixty nine WRC plus, like that is top level. Um, and if he could stay healthy, then I, I really think Byron Buxton will be MVP this year. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think he's got a, I think he's got a shot at it if he stays healthy. I, I do worry. I mean, I, I don't think that he's going to be able to repeat that kind of offensive production. But with as good a defense as he plays, if he can put up a 130 WRC plus with the defense he plays, that's an MVP caliber player. So I, I don't disagree with that com- at all. But uh, I guess there you have it. There's our predictions. Um, we're going to look stupid here in yeah. about two days they're gonna start it's gonna start we're just gonna get look hey. worse and worse and well, look, but hey <laughs> it, it can't be any worse than me literally predicting blake snell as cy young last year and, and francisco, francisco lindor, and francisco yeah. lindor as mvp 
Like I, I can't go, I can't get any worse. Yeah, than that. that was pretty bad. Okay, so I, I, th- I feel like I made better predictions this year at least. So, um, but yeah, I know we went long on this one, but there was a lot to unpack here. Um, by the time we'll talk to you next time, opening day will have happened. Um, baseball is back officially on Thursday, um, with more uh, most of the games kicking off on Friday. But I, I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, this season is gearing up to be a really awesome one um, with all the young talent coming in and all the other storylines that we have. Um, it's going to be an exciting year, and we will make sure to break it down and bring you all of the news as it's happening here at the Batflip Podcast. You got anything else you want to wrap up on? Don't think so. Just uh, excited for the season. So, Yep, we both are, and hope you guys follow along with us throughout the season. So that will do it for this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. All right. Thanks, everybody.